Welcome to the Triple V Podcast. Welcome to the 3rd of July, 2022 Town Hall. For those on our streaming services, this podcast is split into two parts. For a seamless experience, please cue the second part of this podcast. I, I would say we get started. Um, when do you want to do the the lab update? Do you want to go uh, first? Do you want. Want to do uh, we could go through the stuff first in regard. Actually, you know what? Lab update, and then we can discuss more about the NFTs. I'm sure there's a lot of questions on that as well. Yeah. All right. Let's um, see yeah. So I'll start us off. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give, on behalf of the lab team that we have uh, at VVV, I'm going to give you a, a quick update regarding on our report statistics and everything else we have going in the back end. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen our channels, um, the uh, rejections channel where we post projects that we have rejected and is non-NDA, therefore we can share it to the community as to our opinions as to why we rejected it. And we also have a uh, regular post near daily in the general chat done also by the research team to update you as to our doings, what projects we're looking at, you know, why we're interested, X, Y, Z. Um, for some more back-end stuff, um, uh, Chichi Boy, who's uh, Jess, has given us uh, some cool numbers. Uh, so apparently uh, I have put up uh, 22 projects uh, proposed projects uh, that they've already taken a look at and then there's still 116 proposals that i've put there that they have still yet to look um under analysis uh, under hardcore analysis by the team we've got three major projects being looked at under deeper microscope uh we also have achieved our very first i think it was seven seven eight page uh in-depth report on one of the projects in our pipeline. Uh, so this is going to be a very interesting one that if we can hopefully secure that allocation, we'll definitely be very excited to share it with everyone else. Um, we also have uh, five projects uh, that we are currently outreaching slash ready to outreach to. Uh, I won't share which those are, but they're very exciting indeed. Um, we have in the last week or so rejected 12 proposals and put 11 proposals on hold. Uh, putting proposal on hold means either there's not enough information, uh, we are currently reaching out to get, I don't know, perhaps some information regarding the team or some added information regarding tokenomics, or if the project isn't at a stage that we feel comfortable to invest in, what we do is we put it on the side, we put a, a notification on it to remind us to then take a look in, you know, 12, 15, 18 days, just to make sure that we stay on top of all the projects that we bring through. Um, and also, I've had a chat with a couple individuals from the v uh, from the research team, and we and not we well we we as a collective, but the research team specifically have come up with a new way to make themselves a little more efficient when going through uh, projects. Uh, so the pipeline intake has increased dramatically due to the uh, due to my uh ways not ways but my uh sources of projects through my connections and so forth uh so the actual input uh has increased also thanks to the community as well um but then this also of course allows the vvv team uh massive exposure into the forefront of what's going on within web3 infrastructure DeFi, whatever else and it also can make them have a better uh understanding and 
peg similar projects next to each other because of course there are many instances where there's a project that may come out DeFi wise or infrastructure wise where there may not be any uh obvious uh competitors or obvious uh, projects that are also trying to do something similar and of course having a wider bandwidth and and scope of what's going on gives us that opportunity to also uh, pit two projects that we're either in outreach to or that we're currently researching to, uh, against each other and then makes us have a better we feel a, a better ability to um, come up with uh, a decision uh, based on the flaws and benefits of either project um, of course we're still open to you know uh, improving the deal flow and the process at which uh, we take a look at projects and uh, ideally you know we will ever increase our pipeline to make sure that we can always get the most frequent updates in terms of uh, current projects out there raising um, this as you may understand may impact the frequency at which we pose uh, post sorry some of our daily research updates just because the work now for the analysts has really gone up to a point i think by a factor of four in terms of my and our ability to give them projects uh so those guys are really working hard to make sure that everything's kept within the same timeline um at the moment we feel that the team can handle it uh we'll revise that in the next few weeks to see if we may perhaps need to onboard a couple more analysts uh, but in the meantime, we feel confident enough that our analysts are able to keep up with the demand and give us the, the st same standard quality that we expect uh, from, from anyone working with us. Um, and we're also planning on scheduling a specific uh, voice call with the research department. Uh, of course, a time and date still needs to be decided on this, uh, but that also gives the community a uh, better opportunity to ask questions directly to the team when they're all free. Uh, you know, that's one of the advantages of being, you know, a completely web-based uh, group because everyone's everywhere, time zones, you know, other uh, important things that they need to do. So we'll definitely make sure that we set up a call to have uh, the opportunity for the community to ask direct questions about how we analyze projects, what we deem as a valuable project, and how we go about uh, outreaching and um, uh, closing uh, these projects with regards to information and so forth. Um, I think that's pretty much it um, in terms of the report, uh, you know, the update as to what our researchers have been up to. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone has. Any other specific questions? I think James is in the chat. Um, so if anyone has a specific question for the analyst, uh, just make sure to tag James and he should be able to, to answer you there. Do you have anything else to add, Sean? Do you think that I may have missed regarding the team? Or No, I, I think you can take a little bit more credit for the uh, methods you have uh, created and applied for us to increase our deal flow. Nah, not at all. No, listen. As long yeah, as we keep humble. getting these heavy hitters in, you know, I'm fine with it. <laughs> as long as we keep getting these guys in. Uh, there was a project actually that I found today. Again, I won't say which. Uh, who's announced uh, a raise uh, that we may have a good chance to to get in touch with them. Um, well, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But it's a very interesting one that the analysts I've just put on hyperdrive and kind of prioritized them to take a look at. They seem interested, so this could also be a very interesting one to perhaps have in our pipeline too. All right, cool. Yeah, and I also got the update today uh, from the analyst team that we have five projects lined up uh, to which we can reach out. 
and um, I will take over those five and get in touch with them and see that we can um, get our hands uh, on the CEOs and founders right away and then potentially set up an AMA uh, with them and discuss doing our next deal. And th so that's, that's five which are uh, currently lined up for the next outreach. And then we have, I believe, three where we are like in active discussions. Is that right, Tony? Uh, yes, I think roughly those numbers are, are accurate, yes. Okay. All right, guys, if there's no more questions around the research lab and research processes, we can jump into the most exciting topic, uh, which is the ongoing Mint. If you guys have any questions around that, then please feel free to post them in our chat. Otherwise, I will give you some rough numbers of how many people minted, how big of an engagement we are seeing and so on. Yeah, I think in terms of the questions, I think they're asking James directly in, in uh, type chat. So I think we're more than happy to, to continue. All right. Um, yeah, so the rough numbers um, for the on ongoing Mint, um, per group, we see like a rough engagement of 80%. And those 80% who Mint claim, uh, I think out of those, like 90 to 95% claim the max amount of dolphins which have been allocated. And the sharks have so far had a 100% engagement rate. All of the sharks who were whitelisted uh, for their sharks minted, and they also minted their dolphins. Um, the whales don't really have to do anything because they prepaid already. Um, they only have to mint their dolphins, and I, I confused them with some of my prior announcements in the whales channel. So. Some of them have not minted yet uh, because they thought they don't have to do anything. Um, so I will give those guys uh, a couple more days to follow up. Um, they are not insanely active in chat most of the time, um, but they are very active investors. And yeah, so far, if you look at the numbers and if you look at the people who dropped out and their past engagement history and message, message history, it's mostly people who would have gotten purged anyways but they stayed in the server or were protected because of their active investor status. So we have a, quite a few people who invested, but never really had been active in chat. And not surprisingly, they also dropped out on the mint or missed it. Um, but to me, that's not an issue. Uh, as I said, in general chat, the NFTs, which have not been minted, they will get burned. So there's no further dilution. Uh, for the phase one minters, uh, it's the exact opposite. Um, the supply on day one will be incre uh, decreased by roughly 20%. Okay, to answer Ibam's question, the dolphins, actually, the, the whales don't have to mint, uh, but the whales, anyone who bought a whale NFT, they also got plus one dolphin. And that plus one dolphin, if they want to claim it, they would have to pay for it and mint it, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, just a general update on, on the mint and engagement. So uh, uh, so far, I, I'm really happy. I would have expected 100% engagement, to be honest, but I also wasn't aware that we still had missed a couple of people in the purchase. Uh, there were those 20% who hadn't been active, and if, if I did have more time to look through like every single person in much more detail, I probably would have kicked some of the active investors too, just based on the engagement. Um, but I think it's 
also borderline impossible to really be sure that you have 100 percent uh the right people picked to ensure 100 percent engagement so to me that's not a, not a setback we just have cleared the remaining 20 percent who shouldn't be here and we are going to uh, have a, an incredible launch starting july 10th and then we will see how the floor price is going to establish itself um up until july 17th when hopefully I've made my 1,000 uh, transactions in MetaMask to send out all the NFTs. And um, yeah, then EVV will be ready for takeoff and we can get back to focusing on doing our deals. And again, if there's any questions, please feel free to just post them in the text channels. And so HR is asking if there's any dolphins on the secondary market yet. Um, to give you a brief up regarding the structure and what's going to happen in the next couple of days. Um, the minting contract and the staking contract have both been finalized and they also have been audited in depth by three experienced developers and they are safe to be deployed. Um, that being said, I'm still polishing and refining some of the trades and some of the art with the artist. So the minting contract has not been deployed yet, but I'm going to do that probably around the 8th or 9th latest so that I'm ready to send out the NFTs starting on the 10th. Okay, someone is asking about currency for phase two. I mean, that's very likely going to be in USDC again. Um, I don't see too much benefits in using ETH at the moment. Hiroshima is asking when the staking will be live. Um, the staking is probably going to be live towards the end of the month. Um, before that, we're going to drop our white paper and only then uh, we will open up the staking and we might even delay the staking, um, until the first deal is lined up and, um, we can actually, um, have the utility for the staking ready as well. I think it, it makes more sense to arrange a, a big staking event, so to speak. All right, if there's no more questions around the Mint, I would just briefly outline the, the process of founding the VVV fund company and the strategy behind setting it up. All right, so um, we're currently uh, at step one of founding the VVV fund. And what that step one entails is building the board of directors. And we already had our first interviews. Uh, with a couple of uh, hedge fund managers who have experience both in uh, on Wall Street but also in the digital space. And we're going to interview dozens and dozens of high-caliber people to find those with the most applicable experience who can help us the most with regards to their expertise and also with their Rolodex of opening up connections to um, university endowments pension funds and so on because as you know we want to build the vvv fund on institutional investors as well and those network um, those networks of those uh, board of directors are going to be tremendously helpful and the more the most important aspect here with building the board of directors is making them shareholders but also stakeholders and putting them on a performance-based compensation we want to incentivize them as much as possible to provide as much value as possible. 
and it's it's pretty much the very same logic which you will see in VVV that the top form, top performing people are also going to get rewarded the most. So that's the same principle you will see uh, in the structure of the VVV fund. The only difference here is that um, we're going to look only at people with at least 10 years of experience. So you will see a lot of gray hair and a couple of big names on the board of directors. Okay, so Markowski is asking where the compensation is going to come from. Um, that's what the current NFT race is entailed um, to be the, the spark, so to speak, for. Um, we will use some of the funds which we have just raised from the NFT race or from the NFT uh, mint to create the basic structure for VVV fund. But the compensation is then uh, in the long run going to come from the fees which are going to be generated from the institutional investors. And so, again, step one is building the board. Now, this, the second step of the VVV fund is going to be to engage with a big four accounting firm and with a big name law firm and then with an additional highly specialized crypto law firm. And the reason we do this in the second step is because the very first thing um, is building rapport and um, building up the credibility through the board of directors. Once you have enough big names on your board, it's much easier to engage with those firms. And not just that, but you also have a, um, you have more selection who you pick as your engagement partner in those firms. Um, PwC, uh, for example, that's a service business. These guys are working to please their customers. And it's not, the, it's not hard to, rec to recruit or to engage them. Um, if you're willing to pay the, the premium for their names and for their um, credibility on the market. But having the, the board of directors and having the additional network allows you to get a hold of the best people in those companies. And your relationship with PwC, for example, is always only as good as the engagement partner you have. If your engagement partner is not motivated, you're going to have a, a really tough time to get things done and you're going to get slowed down um, by the uh, internal bureaucracy. So for us, it's highly important to always, in all regards, have the best people on board to work with us. And the relationships with the professional partners is not going to be any different than the relationship with the community or the relationship with the board of directors. And now only after step one and after step two, we're going to incorporate the company and choose the place of, uh, of incorporation. And as I said before, that's very likely going to be one US-based entity to accommodate the accredited and non-accredited investors out of the US. And then there's probably going to be one overseas entity um, to accommodate the, the rest of Europe and potentially uh, parts of Asia. And the reason why you don't want to do this beforehand is because you have to rely or you should rely on your accounting firm and your tax advisors and on your law firm to find the best structure for you. If you try to do this yourself, uh, you're probably going to waste a ton of time and you're going to make a, a lot of uh, faulty or wrong decisions which are going to make you less tax efficient and potentially even um, increase your, your uh, legal liability. And in addition to that, when you recruit a board of directors, you want to be sure that the company they become shareholders of has not accrued any value yet. Because if you distribute shares in a company, which, for example, would be worth a million dollars already, then 
what's ha what's happening is that you create something uh, for them, which is called phantom income, which means they get shares which are worth something, and they have to tax uh, and they have to pay tax on those, but they don't have any liquidity out of receiving those shares, and then have to pay the tax on those out of their own funds, and, and that's just going to make you look like a bozo because you want to provide them with a benefit, but they end up uh, paying a huge amount of taxes on those. So now after step one and two, and the company being incorporated in step three, the next phase in step four is raising the funds from the institutional investors. And for that, we're going to look at college endowments, pension funds, and similar institutions, as well as high net worth individuals. And we are probably going to keep the ticket size at a million dollars to make sure we don't get uh, too many small stakeholders. And then in step five, we're going to launch the, the blockchain fund NFT, and we're going to raise um, capital through everyone who wants to participate um, through the blockchain NFT. And one thing which we're currently elaborating, and again, we ha we'll have to check with our legal and tax advisors, is potentially creating uh, a marketplace as well on which that NFT is going to be traded. Um, but that's going to depend a lot on the um, structure which we go for um, eventually. And the biggest lesson here, and this is something uh, which we're going to discuss in the academy as well, is that you, have, you always have to be sure that your structure follows your strategy and that you don't do it the other way around. You want to be sure that you have your strategy in place and that you're not compromising on your strategy just for the sake of already having a certain structure in place. Meaning, if we already had founded the company in country X, we would be very limited in our go-to-market strategy. You want to stay as nimble as possible and you always want to be as dynamic as possible. And that's something that comes back to um, the things which I have announced before um, regarding phase two, regarding the 80% discount and so on. I've seen a couple of people having concerns about uh, assuming the floor price would end up 20 ETH and then um, people could potentially not afford minting in phase two because they would have to deposit 100% of the floor price first before they get the discount and so on. Uh, the biggest takeaway here is that if something unpredictable happens, we will just pivot and we will just go for whichever way, uh, whichever way makes the most sense at the time. The things which we are currently discussing and the things which we are currently deciding based on, fact, or based on facts which might change in the future, they will not be set in stone. So whenever something comes up which potentially might, might make things more difficult or might make the, uh, decisions which have been made in the past obsolete or which might expose them to being wrong decisions, then we will just go back and then make the right decision. We're not going to be bound to something um, which then becomes a detriment to the community or to anyone involved in phase two. We're always going to go with the route which makes the most, most sense for the project as a whole. So I'm going to read through some of the questions here. JX. 13 is asking, will the fund NFT represent a fixed allocation in the fund, or will it just be a ticket for investing in the blockchain fund similar style to the VVV S1 NFT? No, so the, the NFT is going to represent a fixed allocation in the fund. And to come to Tony Sosa's question um, around what's the benefit of the wider spots for the fund, the benefits of the wider spots is that you can, for one, allocate more funds to the blockchain fund 
so you can ex increase your exposure if you want to. And obviously, um, if you end up with more wireless spots, that means you can mint more NFTs and then you can uh, trade those NFTs on the secondary market. Meaning, if you want to expose yourself with one NFT only and you want to sell the other one, that's completely fine as well. Then I have a question by Byte. Is the blockchain fund investing in the same projects that will be offered to holders or will there be exclusive investments that are only held on the fund? Um, I cannot answer this with 100% certainty yet. I, I would say that it's going to be the same projects, although there might be some exceptions to, to the rule where only the fund might be able to get in um, simply because I expect the fund at the, at the end of the day to have more leverage. That being said, I will always, whenever possible, or as long as it's feasible, there will be no differences in the deals which the VC side does, i.e. which the community um, can freely decide if they want to get in or not, uh, and between the, the blockchain fund. I'm looking to, to keep up the same deal flow. So Eridine is asking if for the fund itself, if you have any say, or if you can pick and choose which projects you want to be a part of, uh, no, so if you if you are part of the blockchain fund, the funds are wholly managed by the fund itself. So anyone um, providing liquidity to the fund has no say in which deals get done. So again, Eridine is asking if the blockchain fund uh, incurs a separate cost. Uh, the answer is, of course, yes. The VVV S1 NFT is simply an access ticket to the VC side of VVV which lets you participate in the deals in which you, know, which you find the most attractive and which you, in, in which you want to invest. And then the blockchain fund itself is a fund. If you buy the NFT, you allocate, allocate a certain amount of money to the fund. That money is managed within the fund and the profits distributed by the fund to the holders and to the other investors. Okay, I'm reading through the questions here. Give me a moment. Uh, JX. 13 is asking if there's different tiers to the fund. Uh, the answer is no. If you want to allocate more money to it, uh, all you have to do is um, get more wireless spots or buy more of the NFTs on the secondary market. Um, Squabba is asking, will there be people, institutions that do not require NFTs to assure allocations in the blockchain fund? So the high net worth individuals and the institutions do not have to buy the NFT. That, that's... Uh, you have to look at it as two different races. You have the institutional side where it's really just fiat money. There's, there's, NFTs do not play a part in those. And then you have the, the fund, uh, excuse me, then you have the side of the community where the funds are being raised through the NFT launch. Piglerick is asking, will you be providing a breakdown upon request or publicly on how the income from the NFTs will be spent? And do you have a tentative timeline in, min, in mind for launch? So currently the split is that two-thirds of the revenues from all the S1 NFTs from BBB goes to me personally. And to me, that's the, the compensation for running BBB, for dedicating my life to BBB. And to, one thing to keep in mind here is that my personal life and VVV are, are so inherently intertwined that it's you know very difficult to even draw a line here. But just generally speaking, at the moment, two-thirds of the S1 launch are going to be uh, accounted towards me. 
and then we have one one third which is going to get um, allocated to the expenses of running VV at VVV at the moment, and those expenses are um, paying the analyst team, um, building the structure around the community, um, paying for PR and for marketing, increasing our exposure, and I expect those funds to be depleted you know, rather sooner than later. Um, and then I'm going to go back to paying for a lot of those things out of my own pockets. Uh, but just to be clear here, just to build what you see today, I've probably already spent like $50,000 or so. So, you know, I, I'm not... Uh, what's the right term? I'm not holding back on spending capital or spending my own capital to pay people and to make sure that we have the best people for anything we're doing. Like for the staking contract, uh, I was looking for someone who, who can pull it off and I was not sparing any cost in finding multiple people to order them. XTech is asking if the board members will be in Discord. Uh, I highly doubt it. Um, you know, these people are extremely busy and the time commitment from their side to help out with the, with the blockchain fund is probably going to be just around one hour per week. It, it's really about making it super comfortable for them to be involved with us because these are people who are extremely difficult to get a hold on. And these are people with a plethora of other responsibilities in their lives. These are not people who have retired and are uh, just playing golf for the rest of their life. It, it's people are still very active and still providing advisory and expertise to a lot of other projects. So everything which we do and the way we recruit them is to make it extremely professional and efficient for them. And, you know, these people are not going to jump into uh, Discord and uh, start chatting. Uh, Snag is asking how the profits from the fund are going to be distributed. Um, that's going to be pen depending on our legal structure and the advisory of the accountants. Uh, it, it might be fiat, it might be crypto. Uh, it, it really depends what's the most tax-efficient way to do this. Uh, you know, it, it might even end up uh, being in a smart contract and being claimable um, by the community. These are things which, um, which are going to be heavily dependent on the, the tax advisory which we get. Okay, so Tracy has a question. And... The question is, how does the fixed allocation work? One fund NFT equals one fixed allocation, but is this a one-time use utility? If the NFT is sold, I assume the allocation stays with the original holder since they put in the allocation dollars. So what would be the value of the NFT after the fixed allocation has been planned? Yeah, so, so that's, um, that's actually one of the nuances which so far has evoked uh, the most admiration by the hedge fund managers which we talk to. And the reason for this is that the way we distribute the NFT for everyone participating from the community, community side in the blockchain fund is that you invest X amount of dollars in the blockchain fund, but you retain the liquidity by the NFT being tradable. Meaning, just as you said, you buy the NFT and then that NFT reflects your stake in the blockchain fund directly, which means the value on the secondary market is going to be highly dependent 
on the speculation of everyone on how successful the blockchain fund is going to turn out to be, which of course also means, let's assume you have a one NFT, which equals a thousand dollars. And then one of the investments which have been made through the blockchain fund, um, generate a 10 X, for example, then obviously the, the value of the NFT on the open market is also going to change because now the funds locked up in the blockchain fund are also worth more. So, and obviously this is very difficult to predict, but I would expect that the blockchain fund NFT always represents like pretty accurately how much worth your thousand dollars, for example, deployed in the blockchain fund actually are. And I think there's a superb way where you do not have to wait like the institutional investors for the 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 fund lifetime to be over, which could be around five to seven years. But you always have the ability to withdraw uh, liquidity instantaneously. And I think this is you know the reason why this resonates so well with um, with some experienced hedge fund managers is because it's unheard of that small investors can participate in the first place, but it's even more uncommon. And I think it, 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 has, has, it has never been done before where you can withdraw the liquidity at any point in time. Okay, so Limitless is asking, I'm new to VC investing. So it would be interesting in hearing how risky are the investments in the projects that are being provided. Where on the risky spectrum would that be? I know nothing is for certain and understand that's your personal opinion. Just want to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> you know, that's, and obviously, you know, the usual disclaimer, this is not financial advice and so on. Um, the risk in investing in seed, strategic and private rounds is extremely high. The differentiation which we have to draw here is that if you like generally speaking, the risk is incredibly high investing that early. And and then the, the big but, and obviously this, you know, this is a highly biased opinion here, but um having a team in place which is so incredibly good in doing the due diligence is already upfront risk management in my eyes, because they already weed out all the projects in which we would have lost money if we, if we had invested in them. So if a regular VC has, for example, like a one out of 10 uh, likelihood of making a unicorn investment, then I would argue that having our investment team and having a team which is so experienced and which is so incredibly... Um, intelligent about how they do the due diligence, I think we can increase that one out of 10 to, I mean, you know, obviously all of this is highly speculative, but I mean, you know, I would aim for like a five out of 10 uh, of projects, which are really, which really have a lot of potential to become home run investments where if they fail, it's, it's more, more likely that it's to, that's due to, uh, factors which are out of control of anyone and not due to the project itself being a, a bad apple, so to speak. Um, and I, I also don't expect the other five investments out of those 10 to be completely uh, crapshoots and, and to fail 100%. I would say that, um, you know, if you get unlucky, if something like Orki 
um, faces at some point some resistance by Apple, Facebook, and so on, I mean, you know, then they might fail, right? But we still had have made that investment um, with our with our due diligence being approved and with us seeing the green light in what they have set up and with us seeing a very high likelihood of them succeeding. Obviously, we cannot prepare for all the different permutations of the outcomes, but I would say that the likelihood of that, I mean, to say most is different, difficult, but I think the likelihood of enough of our projects succeeding at a big enough scale for the overall venture to be extremely profitable, I think that likelihood is pretty high. Again, that being said, if you, and this goes back to something which I've said uh, in the very beginning, I would always encourage everyone to get some money, some money into all the investments rather than all of your funds into one particular investment. Because no matter how, how much due diligence we do and no matter how safe of a bet it might seem, if you just place your all your cards, uh, you know, if you if you put all your eggs in one basket, that basket might still, um, yeah, you know, that investment might still go wrong, even if it's a safe safe bet, so to speak. So I would rather um, do some uh, distribution of your funds and put some in Orky, put some in Snickerdoodle, put some in Noddle, put some in NFTFI, and therefore have a, a good setup where. The risk is diminished because you have uh, distributed your funds across a plethora of projects, but the overall success is still very likely because all of those projects have an extremely high likelihood of um, succeeding at an um, exponential rate. Okay, let me just give me one moment here to scroll through everything. Okay. So Michael Lewis is asking if I have decided on the blockchain fund NFT, of, if I have decided on the price of the blockchain fund NFT yet. Uh, the answer is no. Um, it really depends how the next couple of phases go, and um, on. Yeah, I mean, I would also say it depends partially on how much we eventually end up uh, raising from the institutional investors. Um, initially, the plan was to have a $10 million fund in total, um, but I think there might be potential to increase the side of the in institutional investors um, simply because I see that there's more interest um, from their side as well. Baba's asking if the board members might be willing to do a talk for the academy members. Um, I think that might be something that could be arranged for. Um, it might have to be... Um, recorded and it might have to be done in a like a private teams meeting or a private zoom meeting with them um but i think it would probably be possible to arrange uh like collecting questions up front and then having like a private interview with them or uh, maybe we can even do it live because those those people usually have like a philanthropic um angle to them as well and most of them have usually to do something uh, around the educational aspect and sector. So I don't think they would be opposed to do that. Okay, so Handel is asking about potentially using the dolphins towards the um, blockchain fund if you're from the US, since you cannot use the dolphin otherwise. Um, that's probably going to be a no 
um, I think that's going to make uh, things too complicated. Um, JX13 is asking about uh, a cap of supply for the blockchain fund. Yeah, of course, there's going to be a limit and it's very likely going to be uh, one-to-one the uh, season one VVV NFT. So we're probably going to have uh, 5,000 NFTs for the fund as well. And whether or not we do phases, uh, that's yet to see. Uh, that That's too far out. And I think that the question came up a little bit earlier around the timeline. So we're going to launch the blockchain fund NFT um, towards the end of the year and then launch the blockchain fund officially in the first quarter of 2023. Yeah, and just to clear up a misconfusion here, uh, a misconception here, uh, the, the staking has nothing to do with the blockchain fund. So the S1 staking, the only thing uh, where the S1 staking has any impact on the blockchain fund is that if you stake it for 12 months, you get your whitelist spot for the blockchain fund, but there's no staking to the blockchain fund NFT. And something Mellon uh, is stating that the blockchain fund would be, excuse me, that the blockchain NFT would be equivalent to a share. Uh, that's not, that's technically not correct um, because the shares of the company are valued differently from the funds that have been deployed in, in, in the fund itself. Um, so I wouldn't um, say that that statement is correct, but I, but I get what you mean. Like, like in, in theory, it equals like your share in, in, in the fund itself in terms of deployed capital, but not shares um, in the company. Um, but to, to piggyback on that idea, so I, um, depending on the overall structure of the VVV holding company and the overall umbrella of the different sub-companies, I do have a couple of thoughts in mind where we make the NFT holders shareholders in one of the companies as well. So that's not completely out of the picture.